Well, welcome to our series entitled A Rising Tide. This is the last week of the series, and we've been looking these weeks at this idea of accountability. Now, to be held accountable is to accept responsibility for one's actions and to do that publicly, to do that where someone else knows and someone else is aware of whether you've accepted that responsibility or not. And of course, we've talked in the series about the ultimate example of accountability, and that's Jesus on the cross doing what he was sent here to do, accomplishing his mission, but even more than that, being held accountable not for his own failings, but for ours taking ultimate accountability for each and every one of us. And now, this week as we wrap up the series, I want to start by talking about the idea that I believe there are four kinds of churches, and uh, especially when it comes to this idea of accountability. Now, I I want to use a a four-quadrant grid to help us think about those four kinds of churches. Now, in a grid like this, you have two different axes. You have the low and high on one side and low and high on the other side. And uh, and, and we're going to talk about four different kinds of churches that fall into those four areas of the grid. And now, on the the left side there, we're going to put the word grace. And what we're talking about there is how churches teach and put into practice God's grace, God's unconditional love. And, uh, and so a low grace church would be a place where um, God's grace isn't talked about very much, or if it's talked about, it's talked about in a very generic kind of way. And it's certainly not put into practice very much, even if it's talked about. Now, a high grace church would be a church that uh, talks about God's grace in all of its richness very, very often, and actually puts that grace into practice with how it treats the people that are part of the family and in the community around. Now, on the other axis, we're going to put this word challenge, which relates to this idea of accountability. How how challenging is a church? Does it challenge you to take next steps, to grow to be more like Jesus, and does it hold you accountable to doing that? Or is there really no challenge going on? You, you can do whatever you want. Uh, there's very little ever said about how we're supposed to respond to God's grace. Now, let's start with the bottom left quadrant here, a, a church that is low in grace and low in challenge. Now, I, I would submit to you that those kind of churches are boring and useless. There's really not much going on there. And in fact, the typical parishioner in a church like that would look something like that. I mean, again, God's grace isn't talked about or put into practice very much there. Or or if it's talked about, it's just in a very generic kind of way. And and there's no sense of challenge, no encouragement to grow, no, um, no accountability to be more like Jesus in our lives in response to God's grace boring, useless church. Now, what, what about churches that are in that uh, next grid over there where they're, they're high in grace but, but low in challenge? I would argue that those kind of churches are what I would call cozy or comfortable churches. They're churches where you hear a lot about God's unconditional love and you experience it in the people around you, but you're never challenged to do anything as a result of that grace that we've received. Um, here's a, a great picture I found of what a cozy, comfortable church might look like. Now, now, hopefully this was just a, a prop as an example. I don't think there's actually a church that has a bed with a teddy bear in the middle of it for you to lay in while you're experiencing the service. But, but that's kind of the idea. 
You know, a number of years ago, I, I talked about the most dangerous thing in your house. And I said the most dangerous thing in your house was the recliner because uh, it's a place where you can be very cozy and comfortable, but if you get too attached to it, nothing's going to get done. Now, there's a, a third kind of church, and that would fall into this area over here, the bottom right, where um, they're high in challenge but low in God's grace. And I would say that those kind of churches would be legalistic and very stressful. You don't hear a lot about God's love and grace, but you do hear a lot about what you're supposed to do. You know, a couple of years ago, before the pandemic hit, our small group went on a little field trip, a little uh, weekend trip together to just uh, experience uh, God's grace in that community together of our small group. Uh, we, we went to Nashville to have a kind of a fun weekend together. And what we didn't realize is the NFL draft was going on there that weekend. So Nashville was packed everywhere you went. There were crowds of people. And, and one of the things that surprised me on Saturday morning when we were walking around amidst those crowds is th there was a group of Christians and uh, they had set up with some protest signs and some bullhorns and they were letting everybody in the crowd know how sinful they were and, uh, and what they were supposed to do. Well, one of the signs especially uh, caught my attention. I, you can kind of see it there. It, it, it says, repent, believe, and obey the gospel. How do you obey the gospel? You see, the gospel is the good news about what God has done for us. It's not something you obey. Now, now maybe in the, in the broadest sense, if the gospel refers to all of God's news for us, yeah, there's stuff to obey in God's word, but, but that's not the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is not about what we need to do. It's about what God has done for us. I guess that this church that sent its people out there that day would, would definitely be in that high challenge, low grace way. Judgmental of other people, hard on its own members. Be a pretty stressful place to belong. Finally, there's, there are churches that go into that upper right quadrant. That, that are high in God's grace. You hear a lot about God's grace in all its richness, and you experience that love and grace as you live in that church community. But at the same time, it's the God loves you just the way you are, but he's not content to leave you that way. There's a challenge. There's a challenge to grow. There's a challenge to discipleship. And I, I would say those are churches where people seek to be more like Jesus. Does that sound familiar? See, our goal here at Trinity is to be that kind of church. A church that is high in our discussion and implementation of God's grace. We, everywhere you turn, you're experiencing that unconditional love and grace of God. You can be, as we've said, fully known and truly loved here at Trinity. But also, we're, we're not content to ignore the parts of God's word that challenge us in view of God's mercies in response to his love to do something, to seek to, to grow, to be more like Jesus. There's, there's one story in the New Testament that I think that where, where Jesus just very clearly highlighted this high, high gospel, high grace, high challenge kind of environment. Do you remember this story? Jesus is brought a woman who's been caught in the act of adultery and, and, and the crowd wants to stone her to death and they want Jesus' permission and approval to do that. And, uh, and without going into great detail in the story, that would take too long. At the very end of the story, all the accusers are gone. 
except for Jesus. Jesus is there with this woman. And, uh, and, he, and he looks around and he says, did anybody condemn you? And she says, no. And then he says this to her. He says, well, neither do I condemn you. There's grace. Unconditional acceptance from Jesus. But he didn't stop there. Then he said, go and sin no more. Now that's a pretty big challenge, isn't it? A challenge I'm sure that woman did not accomplish in her life. I'm sure she did not leave that moment with Jesus and never sin again. In fact, if she's like the rest of us, she probably sinned later on that day in, in the next few minutes. We all sin. And yet the challenge from Jesus was, I don't condemn you. I love you. I accept you despite all your faults and your failings. And yet, now I encourage you, go and sin no more. I, I challenge you to try to grow in God's plan for your life. Here's, here's another great example of that. The Apostle Paul uh, went around founding churches in different places. And one of the places he founded a church was in a place called Thessalonica. Now, now, by the way, it was just recently that Pastor Nick pointed out to me that if you take a look at the chronology and the biblical account in the book of Acts, Paul was really only there in Thessalonica for a few weeks. And then he had to leave because there was a crowd that wanted to kill him. And yet years later, Paul, as he writes to the church in Thessalonica, has found out that there's a thriving church there. God took that three weeks he spent there and, and took the, the people who were impacted by the gospel in those three weeks and, and grew it into this thriving church. Now, Paul, in writing back to that church, said this. He said, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. There's kind of what we talked about last week a little bit, that idea of leadership and respecting our leaders and the, and the role that leaders have to hold us accountable. He says, esteem them very highly in love because of their work. But then he says this, he says, we urge you brothers, admonish the idle. There's some challenge, there's some accountability. But then he goes on to say, but encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See, Paul knew that, that we all sin. In fact, he said it about himself. He, he called himself the greatest of sinners. And he said, the good that I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, I do. Paul knew that God's grace was there for him to give him a new, fresh, clean start every day. And in response to that, Paul wanted to do better in his life, and he wanted to encourage others to do better. And so he tells the Thessalonians that they're to admonish the idol. They're, to, they're to, to challenge people who have received God's grace. He says, but when you do that, he says, you've got to be careful. You've got to be full of encouragement. That's the gospel, isn't it? Encourage the faint-hearted because... I don't know about you, but the, the thought of growing to be more like Jesus, to growing up, the Bible says, in every way to be like Jesus, that makes me pretty faint-hearted. I don't feel like there's any way I can accomplish that. Paul says our, our job is to encourage one another as we seek uh, to grow more like Jesus. And none of us has the strength to do that, so we're to help the weak. We're to come alongside people and, and, uh, and help them where they're, they're struggling or where they're, they're encountering their own weakness, knowing that they're going to do the same for us. And most of all, we need to be patient. And every once in a while, you know, someone will come to me and, and, and they'll see uh, someone that's struggling with a particular sin or, or difficulty in their lives. And, and they want our church to be legalistic with that. They, they want us to, to put our foot down. And I always try to help them see, look, God has been incredibly patient with you. We want to be patient with one another. 
We want to be a church where people are encouraged to grow and be more like Jesus, where people are encouraged to take next steps. But that happens in an environment of grace, of patience, of love, and of care. You know, one of the tools we use here at Trinity to help us think about that is this thing called our membership covenant. And, and hopefully when you went through a Discover Trinity process and became a member here at Trinity, you became familiar with that covenant and had a chance to actually sign that, co- that covenant. If you've been around Trinity for a long time, maybe you've never seen that covenant. And, uh, and it's available through our website uh, right now. There's a, a link in the chat. But on that covenant, it talks, first of all, about all the things that God has done for us his incredible grace that he has given us. Because every time we talk about what we do, we want to start first with what God has done for us. And it talks about how we as a church family want to be there for one another, to hold one another accountable, to encourage one another, to lead one another. And then it lists a set of values, a set of things that we've said, here's how, when we talk about being more like Jesus, this is what we mean. We mean that worship is a part of our lives, that, that, that we want to make sure that we're regularly in worship on the weekends, publicly, but also privately. Um, in, we have our own worship time with God as well. That we're going to connect, specifically here at Trinity, that means getting in a small group. We believe you can't grow spiritually unless you're connected relationally, and small groups are an intentional way of building those Christ-centered, gospel-centered relationships in our lives. We talk about serving, using the gifts that God has given us to serve, not only here at Trinity as a part of our ministry, like volunteering on the weekends or, 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 or serving in, in one of our uh, mission teams during the week, but we believe it means serving out in your community, being a person that's trying to make a difference in the world around you. We, we talk about generosity, how God has set a standard for giving in our lives of tithing uh, with the resources that he has given us and, and, and how we give generously in our lives. We talk about leading as, as we've been doing during this series and we did last week and how all of us are called to lead at least one other person. We are disciples who make disciples. We talk about sharing our faith, that, that the good news about what God has done to us isn't just for us, it's, but for, it's, it's for others as well. And we seek to uh, cultivate relationships with people that don't know Jesus, not for the sake of getting a notch in their belt saying, hey, I want another convert for Jesus, but because we love them and care about them and want them to know the grace that we've received. And we talk about accountability like we're doing in this series. The idea that we grow when others encourage us and hold us accountable. Now, our covenant says this. I want to read these words to you. It says, in response to these promises from God, in other words, again, in view of God's grace, and the commitments from our family, our church family, we ask everyone who's a part of Trinity to strive to live out these values. No family is perfect. And we recognize that we are all growing, but being in the family means we're all working towards these ends. So no one's going to sit down with you and say, are you in a small group? Are you tithing? Are you you coming to church every week? Because if you're not, you can't be part of Trinity. That's never going to happen. Remember, it's all about God's love and grace and being patient with one another and encouraging one another. But we do want you to have someone in your life, whether that's a small group leader or an accountability partner, who is, who is sitting down with you going, how are you doing with those values? Are, are you growing to be more like Jesus? Which one of those values is a, is a tension point for you right now where you need some help? Or which one of those values are you doing great in and, and, and God has blessed you in? We want to be a church that is always asking those kind of questions, challenging you to be more like Jesus, 
But again, as Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, um, encouraging you, supporting you, being patient with you as we grow together. So one last thought for this series. When I was growing up, Saturday morning was time for cartoons, but I got to admit to you, I couldn't wait for the cartoons to be over because my favorite show would come on, uh, The Lone Ranger. And uh, The Lone Ranger was this great story, and a lot of you probably weren't even born when The Lone Ranger was on the original series, but, uh, but, but it was this great story about this, this cowboy in the West who wore a mask. No one knew, really knew who he was, and, and he would just show up places where there was a need, and he would, he would help the weak and, uh, and, and protect those who needed protecting. He would deal with the evil and the, and the bad things that were happening in the world, and then he would just kind of ride off into the sunset alone. It's called the Lone Ranger because it was just him, but it really wasn't. You see, I think a lot of Christians think of themselves as Lone Ranger Christians, that it's between me and God, and yeah, I go to a church, but that's, my faith is really just between me and God. That's not how God designed us to live. And in fact, if you know the show I'm talking about, you know that even the Lone Ranger wasn't alone. Alone. He had, he had Tonto. He had this companion who would show up in a system. And, and in fact, some of my favorite episodes of The Lone Ranger were ones where The Lone Ranger kind of got himself into a bind. And if it hadn't been for Tonto, he wouldn't have survived. Folks, God has created us to live as a part of a faith community in a wonderful relationship with God and with one another. And in that community, we learn about God's love and his grace for us, his unconditional love. There's, there's nothing we have to do to make God love us, and there's nothing we can do to make him stop loving us. But in that community, we are encouraged to grow. We're encouraged to be more like Jesus, to, to, to live our lives in a way that shows we are his. We want Trinity to be that kind of church because when we're that kind of church, all of us together grow. I pray that God has blessed you in this series, and I pray that God will bless you as you seek to be more like him as a part of our faith family. Amen.